the sun shines bright as it moves across my face i feel the light and everything is in its place i woke up feeling great today was made for me and life is good the way it should the way it was meant to be and it's a beautiful day And so we're concluding our series on the family. And we've been asking the question, what does a family that pleases God look like? And from the very first week, we discovered this premise, that there is a gap between the ideal family that God wants for us and our real families that so often have mess and dysfunction. But we also learned that standing in the gap between the ideal and the real is a Savior who provides forgiveness, which means we can strive for the ideal knowing that God has covered that gap in forgiveness and pursue it as much as possible. And today, what we strive for is to have both grace and truth. And to talk about this, I want to bring up a, a few commercials that have really stuck with me lately. Uh, they're commercials that deal with the idea of it's not good to have one or the other, but you want to have both. I think it started with Coke Zero, where a guy goes in for a job interview and he uses the word and. And stock options, and a private jet, and... Um, I think 7-Up is using this idea now, and, and the one that sticks in my mind lately, and, and you ever had a commercial that just annoys you more than anything? <laughs> this is that commercial for me. It's talking about being large or in charge. Have you seen this? Okay, so there is uh, just an in-charge person at the de desk table. Um, I forget if it's for Ally Bank or a car. And this guy is in charge, but he's not large, and he says there are three ways to do this. My way, my way, and my way. And... Um, a lot of things bother me about that. He's so annoying. I'm, it's animation. Why don't they just like squish him, you know, get him out of the way? And then also, if he's in charge and he's leading that way, that, that's not good leadership. I don't know how long he'll be in charge for. Just reflections. But, but maybe you get the point where I'm driving at. You don't want one or the other. You want both. You want large and in charge. You want both. And never has been that more important than what we're talking about today. This idea of having both grace and truth. You see, it's going to be critical in dealing with our children. It's going to be critical in dealing with our siblings. It's going to be critical in dealing with our spouse. And let me tell you why it's so critical and why this is hard to do. You see, it can seem like a contradiction to have both of them. I have a, an exercise for you today to, to draw out this contradiction. Let's focus on baseball. We have finally come to the end of disastrous seasons for both the Sox and the Cubs. Welcome, welcome. And it's funny, in a baseball town, we didn't want to talk about baseball because it was awful. Now, if I have a spirit of grace talking about these seasons, I can gracefully say, well, um, they were rebuilding. I can gracefully say, well, they did their best with what they had. Or I can gracefully say, you can't win the World Series every year, or in the Cubs' case, once every hundred years, but grace, right? But what's the truth? Here's what happens when I give truth. It seems like a contradiction. When I tell truth, I say, the Cubs haven't been this bad since 1960 to 62 because they have just tied the most losses for three years in a row for consecutive losses. That's how bad they are. That's, that's the truth. That's just fact. 
And what's the truth of the Sox? That out of the last 30 games, 23 of them, they lost. And they have now tied the fourth worst losing season in history, the fourth most losses. And you can tell, again, grace and truth don't seem to really work well together, right? And so consider this. This is something we learned. That the more truth, the harder to have grace. And yet the more grace, the harder to have truth. Think about it in relationships. Strangers. I don't know about you, but with strangers, I can give a lot of grace. You know, I don't know much about them. And so someone does something against me, I'm like, well, maybe they're just having a hard day, you know. Or, or maybe I just don't understand where they're coming from. Or even maybe it was me, you know. I'm, I'm kind of a dimwit, you know, so it could have been me. But then those that we know, oh, no, uh-uh, it wasn't me, it was them. They have done this before and they'll do it again because that's just how they made it. And I could tell you, they didn't hear that when they did that before. I know who they are. You know, and, and we might even be surprised when someone tells us, oh, you know that family member? That, that's a real gem. I just met your uncle. He's awesome. And you might be like, what? You don't know what I know. <laughs> and, uh, and so again, where there's a lot of truth, it's hard to have grace. And some of us actually take on, I think, these personas, almost like good cop, bad cop. Like, I'm going to be the grace person in my family because there's someone who's the truth, and so we need to extend grace. I'm going to balance the, the ecosystem here, and, and uh, I'm going to be grace. And then there's the truth person. The truth person says, no, I think, you know, if, if I'm honest, if I tell you the truth, there's far enough too much grace. You know, someone needs to tell them how it is. I'm here to do that. Hmm. Seems one or the other, the conflict. But both are important. Both are needed and necessary in, in our lives, as we'll learn, and in our children's lives and life in general. So, so let's consider this. And even if there's a gap between how you apply grace and truth right now, let's strive for the ideal. And you know who we get to learn from today? It's our Savior. Our Savior whose description of him just fits the bill. Uh, we, we have a lesson from John chapter 1, and this is a lesson so often used at Christmas. It talks about how Jesus, the Word of God, became flesh. And it gives us a description of him that I want you to key in on today. Let, let's read from John. It says, The Word, which is Jesus, became flesh, full God, full man, and he made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, and get this, full of both grace and truth. Not some grace and full truth, not some truth and full grace. Full of both. And we get to see what that means for us and what it could look like in this world. Let's have fun investigating God's Word today. You know, one of the things I'm excited about this year is our uh, Axis class also known as Confirmation. And uh, we're going through the Ten Commandments right now, and uh, we're going to be covering the Sixth Commandment, and uh, we go on a, a Christian date night where uh, my wife and I try to model uh, Christian dating. That there is good, clean fun out there to be had. It's not bad to date. I think we just need some directives on, on where to go. And I wanted you to go along with me into the realm of first dates. Okay, it might be a, bit, a long time from you for now, but maybe you're in it, I'm not sure, but think about me uh, about first dates. And I would admit to you that there probably isn't a wealth of truth all the time on first dates, is there? Uh, we're probably playing the shell game of what truth we want to uncover, right? <laughs> and someone might ask you, you know, do you like country music? And, and you don't like country music. You have never listened to it. You turn the radio. You wish Kentucky didn't have so many country channels. But when someone asks you that, you say, well, um, I'm open to it, you know. 
you know, that's not really full truth. I'm open to it because I like you. That's really what you should have said if you're truthful. Or you consider this, you sit down, and you are probably not going to sit down first time you meet and tell every dirty detail. Hi, I'm Dustin. Third grade, I punched someone. Seventh grade, got kicked out of school. A license taken away in high school. Barely made it through college, but, oh, and I have three siblings. Nice to meet you. We're not going to do that, right? And that's probably wise, right? And that's because we've learned something, I think. I think a human tendency of ours is this, that we're going to hide the truth if the truth might cause trouble, right? If it's going to get us in a sticky situation, if it's going to close the deal, if it's going to whatever, we're just going to be cautious with that truth. And and we see this in the world of sports, right? Uh, You consider Lance Armstrong. He hid the truth. What about uh, Ryan Braun, Alex Rodriguez? Now, those indicated for substance use might be Josh Freeman, who was just released from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So people tend to hide truth. This happens in political campaigns. That's why negative ads are so popular and, and, and so much done and that we can't hear enough about the, the truth of their dirty details because it's effective. It might cause trouble for them. But here's the thing. I think we're tempted to do this spiritually as well. I think we're tempted to do this before our God. To either minimize our sin or to, to speak lies to ourselves. That maybe it's not a big deal if I continue in this path. Maybe, maybe, you know, it is a gray area when, truth be told, it isn't. Or maybe we struggle with this. We don't want to be real before God, and maybe we don't even want to come to church because we have this feeling if God really knew, if God really knew who I was and what I did, He would never, ever forgive. He, he would only punish. If, I, if He really knew, I would be in deep, deep trouble. But we're gathered here in a place of honesty and truth, and can we hide from God? It's impossible, isn't it? Consider these words about Jesus. It said this in John. It said, He, Jesus, did not need any testimony about mankind, for he knew what was in each person. And so there is no hiding there. There's no place we can go. There's no thought you can think that God doesn't already know. And the awesome thing we get to consider today is that as far as the truth goes about us, that just means that's how far his grace is going to be shown. You see, you can be real before him because as much as you know about yourself, that's as much grace he has to cover every bit of truth, every bit of sin in your life. Here's some awesome words in a song that we sing. It says, Our shame was deeper than the sea, but your grace, that goes deeper still. That's the awesome God we have, full of grace and truth. And never was this seen more beautifully than in the words of our first lesson. Would you turn back there with me? I want to walk you through that. Page five, okay? We're just going to see how God applies in this situation grace and truth. And I love where it starts. Did you see verse four? It says he had to go through Samaria. And why did he have to go through Samaria? Because he knew it was going to happen. He knew that there was a girl there who needed both truth and grace about her life. And he was not content until he, she found that in him. And so he had to go. And then he enters in grace, this socially awkward position, not only talking to a girl, but talking to a Samaritan. And she knows it. She's like, you, you talking to me? Uh, Jesus, don't you know the, the, the written rules or the unwritten rules? You're not supposed to do that. I'm a Samaritan, you're a Jew, we don't really talk. But in grace, he continues on and quickly changes it from a conversation about water to living water because he has grace for her. 
but he'd also expose truth. Look at verses 16 and 17. He told her after they were talking about water, go call your husband and come back. Here's where it gets a little bit awkward. <laughs> I have no husband, she replied. And Jesus said to her, you're right when you have no husband. The fact is you had five husbands and the man you are now with is not your husband. What have you said is quite true. You know, consider Jesus who, who knows all things. He could have just said, oh, I heard you just got remarried, right? But no, he says the, the whole dirty details, five husbands you've had and the sixth guy that you're with, you're just shacking up. That's not your husband, is it? And he brings the full truth about that situation. But look what he doesn't do. He, he doesn't say, oh, you remember that thing about living water? You, just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. You know, I'm going I'm to take that back. I guess now that we've had this conversation, uh, we'll see you a different day. I hope you learn from that truth. Oh, he knew this before anyway. Before he entered the conversation, he knew the full truth about her. And so he continues the conversation in grace. And though he, she tries, I think, to skirt the issue about talking about worship, he leads it back to the main point that, guess what? I am the Savior. I am the Messiah able to extend grace as far as that truth goes to you so that you could know forgiveness. And, and here's how the story ends. We don't have it in the lesson today, but the Scripture tells us that he stayed there two extra days. And the woman told other Samaritans about what this guy did for her. And they gathered together. And because he went with full grace and full truth, they concluded that he was the Savior of the world. That they had faith in him. That they knew they were forgiven, even as Samaritans, even as those who had done such wrong. We can find ourselves in this. We've been the Samaritan woman. Maybe the details are different, but the truth goes on. Things we want to be real about. And our God, He doesn't minimize what we did. He doesn't overlook it. He doesn't say no big deal. He just has grace to extend past it. And so what you need to know is the significance of the cross. Because the only way the balance of truth and grace makes sense is through the cross. You see, the cross tells us the truth about what we deserve. That every time we disobeyed and every sin was a big deal because it made punishment for our Savior. But it tells of full grace that every punishment we deserved was already paid. That he delighted in rescuing us. That now I can tell you, you are forgiven and you stand in grace through faith in Christ Jesus. This is the goodness of your God who knows both full truth and full grace and gives it to you and to me. But now it's our opportunity to do likewise. You see, we have families. We have siblings. We have spouses. We have kids who need to know what full grace and full truth look like. And uh, one area that I just want to talk about as far as specific application then now is the area of uh, discipline. And uh, I'm always humbled when it comes to the area of discipline. Uh, I don't consider myself a, an expert on the subject. In fact, if you have figured out everything when it comes to discipline, I could use your pointers. Um, please let me know um, because I'm still trying to figure out and second guess, was that the right move? Was that the right move? Blah, blah, blah. And, and, and yet, I know what to strive for. I know to strive for both grace and truth. And let's do a case study together. Let's have an exercise. I'm not going to bring up my kids and I won't bring up yours. Let's take the emotions out of it. Let's say we have a child who is caught stealing, okay? It doesn't matter what it was. It could be a donut, a My Little Pony, an iPad, or a Porsche. It doesn't matter. They took something that wasn't theirs. Now, are we going to respond by saying, ah, no big deal? 
Well, as long as they had enough to spare. Well, did you get caught? Because if you didn't, well, congratulations. I don't mean to insult your intelligence. Is this going to help? Of course not. We're not going to tell them that. We've got to tell them the truth. And this is why. Here's what we need to know about truth. On the other side of sin is pain. So when we don't tell them the truth about sin or don't tell them the truth about what they're doing, what we are inviting is either more pain for them or more pain for another person who they're inflicting it on. And I think that's why, back to the Samaritan woman, why doesn't Jesus just, you know, in grace, overcome and cover, oh, you just got remarried, right? No, he says five husbands because what does Jesus know? That in five relationships, there is an amount of pain that is severe. And it could have been about men who were mistreating her. It could have been her who was allowing herself to be mistreated. It could have been both. But Jesus, the author of truth, knows that there is pain there, doesn't he? And why do we as parents tell our children the truth in stealing? Because we know if they don't learn, the truth is they could go to jail. Worst case scenario. We know that right now who they stole from is in pain. We know on the other side of sin is pain for someone. That, that's the truth. That's why it's helpful. But I am convinced as ever that if there is not love behind why we're telling the truth, it might actually do more damage than good. Did you get that? If there is not love behind why we are telling the truth, it might actually do more damage than good. In fact, that's the essence of gossip, isn't it? Gossip is telling the truth where there is no love. And so that has to fuel us. And maybe to you as parents, it's even more apparent why we need grace. For take this case study, what if that child is caught stealing and, and we say, I cannot believe you would ever do this. There is no hope for you. Or maybe it's not even what we say, that, that we just live in, in a way that is so angry at them that, that, that they don't know that they can ever be forgiven by us. That, that just our whole persona is so affected by them that we don't know if everything could be right with them again. What if church was that way? What if you came here today and the essence was just truth? Hey guys, um, this is what you should have done. Oh, you didn't do it there and there and there? Uh, yeah, you deserve punishment for that. Um, good luck cleaning that up and you know, see you next week. It'd be awful, right? I wouldn't want to preach that. We need grace. We need to know that we're forgiven and so do our children. And this is why. Grace brings hope to those who are imperfect, and because we are all imperfect, we're going to need to hear about grace. We're going to need to know that there's mercy. We're going to need to know that there's an opportunity to be forgiven. You know, I had uh, parents who I think did a great job in discipline, uh, not perfect parents, but um, I think one of the most powerful th things they did after they disciplined me was telling me why they did it, you know, that, that they, they truly love me and forgive me. And, and there is this old adage, you know, it, it hurts me more than it hurts you. <laughs> And I, I, didn't, I didn't think that was a cop-out, you know, because I, I saw at times my mom's tears were bigger than my own. I think that's a goal, that's an example, to go forward from the heart and ask the question, what does it look like when we go forward, not only with truth, which is so good, because if we don't tell the truth, there is pain, but also with grace, to be ready to forgive. That's going to be essential in dealing with our spouse, of bringing up, you know, the truth about what's going on when it really hurts and when we need to bring that up, but also being ready for grace. It's going to be so necessary for siblings. But may you know today that this is how God dealt with you. 
that yes, the truth about us isn't pretty, but grace extends beyond that, and you are free. May God so give you power to apply grace and truth in your family. Amen. Please stand.